right. So we're in a little series we're doing. Uh, it's really called The Humble King. Today we're going to talk about The Humble King of Love. This is an Advent series. Uh, Advent, uh, as we've been looking through, there's four main topics that are historically covered during Advent. They're great topics. They're hope, uh, peace, joy, and today it's love. And as we've been talking about those things, I've I tried to tie it, into the, tie it into the bigger picture of what's going on. When we talked about hope, we talked about glorification. When we talked about peace, we talked about justification. When we talked about joy last week, we talked about sanctification and all that means. Today we'll talk about love, and that's really all about salvation. And uh, all those three things that we talked about tie into salvation as we discussed in the weeks ahead. And, and so I want to take some time to dig into Salvation, what it means, why we need a Savior, what's going on, what are we really celebrating at Christmas. So that's what we're going to do today. And uh, a couple of bad jokes. Christmas, you know, I always struggle because I have some Christmas classic bad jokes. And I don't know whether I should bring them up for people that haven't seen them. And then should I look for some new material. So I kind of did a little of both. Uh, so let's, let's a newer one. So I was putting some books away on my bookshelf just yesterday, and a copy of A Christmas Carol fell and landed on my toe, and it hurt like the Dickens. So that's a new one. If your neighbor didn't get it, explain it. I have this weird Christmas talent where I can identify what's inside a wrapped present. It's a gift. So then the classic, one of two classics, I'm just, you're just going to get one this year. I'll save the other one for next year. The classic is a, is a snowman joke. And if you've been around, you heard me tell it. It was actually the best of all the bad jokes ever. And we even made coffee cups out of it one year and gave them all away. And the joke is, in case you haven't heard it, what did one snowman say to the other snowman? Do you smell carrots? That is the best joke of all time. It might have to lay on you for a little while to get it, but it's a classic. It's, a, it's the best of the bad joke. So I'm always looking for snowman jokes. I tried to find some new ones. Um, what do you call a snowman with a six-pack? An abdominal snowman. So that was new. Did you hear about the snowman that got kicked out of Winn-Dixie? They caught him in their produce section picking his nose. Wrong. Last one, what do you sing at a snowman's birthday party? Freeze a jolly good fellow, freeze a jolly good fellow, freeze. Scripture reading, here on purpose, apologies to the visitors for that last part. This, uh, we've been reading this every week during Advent. To me, it's the passage that really sums up the, the coming of Jesus, which is what Advent is all about, Philippians 2. 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, consider or value others above yourselves, not looking only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset or attitude as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or used to his own advantage. Rather, 
He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So um, we've, been, we've been really looking into that passage. And I, I've said, you know, I want you to know that one. That's why we're reading it. It's a picture of Jesus coming. That's what Advent is all about. It's about the coming of Jesus and what that means. So I think it's a, it's a great passage for Advent. Now, Christmas, I, I also have another verse for Christmas. I think this one verse that I'm about to read you really summarizes what Christmas is all about, the purpose of Christmas. It's from Luke 19.10, and it says this, The Son of Man, that's Jesus, came to seek and to save what was lost, or seek and save the lost. That, to me, is sort of the, the, just, it's the message of Christmas in, in one verse. You know, Jesus didn't come to, to be a baby. He came to grow up. He came to live a perfect, sinless life that we couldn't live. And then he came and willingly went to the cross on our behalf, where he could pay for our sin. He died on the cross, but then he defeated death and he rose again. That's huge good, amazing news. And when we think about Christmas, uh, I don't want to just stop at the baby in the manger. Oh, that's a great story. Jesus came. But it's the whole uh, idea of his life and, and, and death and then life that we need to celebrate and remember. That's the Christmas story. And that's what this is all about. And that's what we're looking at. And, and so I want to talk about what does it mean to seek and save what was lost? And so we're going to talk about what it means to be lost and then I want to talk about what it means to be found or saved in the process. And so we're, we'll do that together. Now, the, there's a chapter in the Bible, Luke chapter 15. And it's a powerful, powerful chapter. And in Luke chapter 15, Jesus gives three stories. Now, we did the last of those three stories just a few weeks ago in church. And I'd been encreating you in, in, uh, encouraging you to read Luke 15. So I'm just going to summarize the stories for you today, and then we'll, we'll dig back into the Scripture here in a moment. But um, in Luke 15, Jesus is teaching, and he gives three stories. Uh, and actually, you can call Luke 15 sort of the lost and found chapter in the Bible, because there's three different stories all about lost and found. So the first of the three stories is about sheep. It's about a sheep and a shepherd. And uh, it's a great story. In this story, there's some sheep, and... and uh, there's a shepherd watching over them, taking care of them. And, you know, the shepherd takes care of the sheep. That's what he does. He makes sure that they're well fed and he makes sure that they're well watered and he anoints them with oil. Uh, and if you've ever looked at that, that's so that the flies can't get on them and nest and make, lay eggs in the sheep, which makes the sheep crazy. The, the shepherd takes care of all those things. But sheep have a tendency to wander. It's part of a sheep's nature. Just kind of wanders, looks over there and sees some other grass and goes, I think I'm going over there and it heads off. Well, on this particular part of the story... Uh, the shepherd rounds up all the sheep for the day, and he's bringing them back to put them where they'll be safe. And he counts them, which is what a good shepherd would do. And there should be 100, and there's only 99. I was thinking that he counts again real quick. You ever do that? Oh, well, 99. So what does he do? Well, he leaves the 99 that are safe, and he goes seeking the one that was lost. 
And, and that's for, you know, we sing a song like that. Sometimes people don't know what does it mean. What do you hear that song? He leaves in 99. That's what's going on. It's his, it's his story. And he goes on a search until he finds the lost sheep. It was important for him to find the sheep. He goes and he searches high and low, finds the sheep, recovers the sheep, brings him back, and then calls some of his shepherd friends and says, I found that lost sheep. We need to have a party. We need to celebrate. This is huge. Uh, he wasn't satisfied with the 99. It was, he wanted all 100. You see what I mean? So he went looking. So that's the first story Jesus tells. Then he digs into another story. And this story is about lost coins. And it's about a woman who had ten coins, very valuable coins, and uh, somehow she misplaces one. Whatever was going on, she lost one of the coins. And it's a huge deal. And she didn't just go, well, I've still got nine coins, I'm good. Big deal. To, and she has to find this coin. And so she goes on a big search, searching and searching until she finds the lost coin. And when she finds the coin, you know what she does? She calls some of her friends and she says, hey, we need to have a party. I found that lost coin. It's a big deal. So lost things being found, celebration, it's a big deal. Well, that third story is about a lost son. Most of you know the story, uh, the story of the prodigal son. You, you've heard it. And, uh, but it's such a powerful story. It's, it's worth sort of going through again of what's going on and, and setting the picture. So in this story, there's a man uh, with two sons. And one of the sons gets... It, really what happens is, and, and you need to understand it in this light... He's been waiting around for his inheritance, but his father won't cooperate and die. So that's the depth of the story. Now, and, and really, the, the fathers were always to be honored, as they should be. That was a big deal in their culture. And so what he does is beyond arrogant and rude. But he goes to his father and says, and if I can't wait for you any longer to die, give me my share of the inheritance. And, and that he acquiesces and says, yes, it's just huge in the story. The people would be going, what in the world? And yet, that's what happens. The father says, fine. And he gives his son the share of the inheritance. And the son takes off and, and he blows all that money. It, and the Bible calls it lots of different things, but riotous living. And so I always think that's kind of funny. He's, he blows it off. And he's in a different land and, and he runs out of money. And so, you know, he runs out of money. He runs out of friends. He's in a bad way. And a famine hits that land. And so he gets very hungry. He's got to find a job. The only job he can find is feeding pigs. Understand that makes the story even better because as a young Jewish man, you didn't hang around with pigs. And that's the only place he can hang around. And he's so hungry that he wants to eat pig food, but apparently that wasn't included in his job plan. So he can't even eat pig food. And he, he finally goes, okay, he comes to his senses, the scripture says, I'm going back to my father's house. Because now I've blown it so bad. I've been so rude to my father. I can't, I can't believe it, but that's what I've done. I'm going to go back. And he said, I'm going to beg that he would just let me come in and be one of his servants. I know I can't go and be a son, but, but I'm going to beg that, that he'd, he'd be, you know, forgive me and let me come back as a servant. And so it says he starts coming. Now think about the pictures. There's a long journey. He hasn't had time to clean up or anything. He's going back still with the whole sort of pig motif on him. Okay? And... Uh, so it's sort of like I just flashed on Charlie Brown, like the pig pen thing. You know that guy? Cloud of dirt, that's why he's coming back. He heads back. Those love the story because the scripture says, while he was still a long way off, the son, the father sees him. Now that's huge. It means the father's looking for him. It's a lost thing, right? So he's, lost, so he, he's looking. And when the father sees him, he goes running after him. Again, that would have never been done. That was, the father would have been in a robe. It would have been completely you know, inappropriate for what the father's about to do. He hitched up his garment and he goes running out to the son. Before the son can even say, oh, hey, I'm so sorry about what happened, you know, the father just starts embracing him and loves on him. Even, and the son's a big mess. Remember that long journey coming from Nuck. And the, the father just grabs him in his arms and loves on him and restores him into sonship. 
in the midst of his mess. Just come on, you're home. That's all that matters. And then you know what he does is he throws a party, right? So each one of those stories has that sort of common denominator. There's something lost, it's found, and there's a celebration, there's a party. And Christmas is like that. Christmas is a celebration of what's taken place, of lost things being found. I hope that as, you're, as you celebrate Christmas, you take it in the, the whole meaning of what's happening, that the celebration, that the reason there's, there's so much joy and, and all these things are taking place, never lose sight. It's because of the way that God has made for us to be found once again. And this celebration is ongoing in the process. And it's a huge and significant part of what happens. And so lost things are being found. Another thing that you need to sort of see that happens in those three stories, and and this is important, is that just because something is lost doesn't mean that it has no value. And and because sometimes when you when you talk about something being lost or someone being lost, if that terminology comes up, people find it a little offensive. What are you talking about? I'm not lost. And and, uh, and yet the reality is all that lostness does is imply it implies value when you think about it. When the sheep wandered off, did it lose its value? Absolutely not. It was still had value. It was a sheep. So much value that the shepherd left everything, in effect, went after the sheep. When, when the woman lost her coin, did it lose its value? No, it was still extremely valuable. She didn't have it, but it had great value. When the son went his own way and wandered off and did his own thing, did he lose value? No, the father was waiting desperately for his son to come home. Tremendous value. See, see... Lost things still have value, tremendous value, and their value is really all about what something is willing to do to restore that relationship or recover that lost thing or whatever it is. And for us, your value is measured by the fact that Jesus, God, came, fully God, fully man, and, and lived this life on our... Just that he stepped down, that Philippians 2, emptied himself, came, and lived this life among us, beautiful, perfect life, taking it all in on our behalf, going to the cross taking our sin upon him, doing everything that he needed to do so that we could be found, once again, saved. That's all part of this process. And that's the value that he has for each one of us. And it's a beautiful, amazing story. And that's really what the heart of Christmas is. So, so lostness implies to all of us un- until we're found. And so what does that mean, to be found or to be saved? And that's three points. I'm finally getting to point number one. You think, wow, he took a long time to get to point number one. But the points will go quicker than that. I hope. I got a clock. I'm good. So point number one is this. What does it mean to be found? What does it mean to be saved? Hey, you're rescued. It's a, it's a big rescue mission that Jesus is on. In the very same way that, that the shepherd went after the lost sheep, Jesus came to rescue you. He came to rescue me. That's what it's all about. In 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, it says this. There's one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom that could be translated as a rescue for all people uh, and, and who gave and the testimony given in its proper time. He came to rescue us. Now, here's where some people get a little caught. They think, well, I didn't I don't need to be rescued. I'm I'm OK. Um, you, we talk about a savior. What? What do I need a savior for? What do I need to be saved from? I'm OK. The reality is all of us need to be rescued from something. All of us need to be saved from something or our lives would be perfect. And I've never met anybody with a perfect life. I've met some people with pretty good lives, but all of them have this measure of other things that they just can't fix in their own strength, that there's a, there's a problem that's keeping it from being that. And that's why we need a Savior. 
That's, that's why we, we desperately need someone to come to help us. You see, in all three stories, and, and we'll catch them up, there's, there's a picture of each sort of situation that we sometimes find ourselves in. You know, the, the sheep tend to wander off. Um, by themselves. They're just prone to wander. There's an old hymn like that. Uh, they're prone to wander. Um, and, and, and so sometimes we've, we've just wandered, and that's caused our lostness. Circumstances of that, the one I'd like to think of in that, the picture of the coins, where, where the coin was misplaced somehow or something happened, that in, in a lot of our lives, um, things have happened to us uh, and that shouldn't have happened to us. And we're not sure what to do with the sort of anger or the bitterness that we feel. And we'll often project that on God. And we'll think, well, then, then, you know, I don't want anything to do with a God that allows these things to happen, that causes these things. And can I tell you that one of the things that I'm, I struggle with the most is that there are so many people who blame God for things that the enemy did. That it's overwhelming. We've talked about this. The, the, the goodness of God is simple. God is good always good. If it's not good, it's not God. And, and so sometimes the, 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 project, you know, the anger has been projected in the wrong way. And, and you need to know that, that, that you know, those circumstances have sometimes caused our lostness. And, and the other story you know, that, that we've looked about, about the lost son, sometimes we choose poorly. Anybody ever choose poorly in their life? We've gone our own way. We've done our own thing. And it's caused us this lostness that we all experience in life. So we need to be rescued. See, the, the, the bottom line is this. God is perfect and holy. This is the, this is the good news. This is what you need to know uh, and, and what response. God is perfect and holy. And all of us fall short of that. All of us have sinned. Everybody here. We've all, and, and when that happened, we were no longer perfect. Okay? We, we're not perfect, but God is perfect. And, and that's the standard. And, and to be in relationship with him, there's this need for perfection, if you would. Now, sometimes we, we get our lostness, our separation. And we think we can fix it on our own strength. And so we just start trying to be good. And I encourage that. Good is good. Don't stop being good. But good doesn't get you to perfect. It just gets you to good, which is good, but it's not perfect. So we had a problem. There was this gap. And so what God does is he comes to fix it. That's the, that's the Christmas story. God comes. Fully God, fully man. Jesus enters the scene. He lives that perfect life that we couldn't. He willingly goes to the cross on our behalf. He pays for our sin. He dies. He defeats death. And he rises again. And when he does, he's made a way for all of us to be rescued, to, to be back in relationship with God. Because at the moment we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, when we do that, when we make that choice, God from then on sees us in the perfection of his Son. He takes care of it. And see, that's the whole thing. And all of us need a Savior because all of us have gotten lost in some way. So he comes to rescue us on this journey. He also comes to recover us. And that's point number two, to be recovered. So just like the woman searching for the lost coin, you know, in, in the days uh, that she would have been searching on her floor, it would have been a straw-covered floor over dirt. It would have been very difficult to find a lost coin, R- really like looking for a needle in a haystack. A- and yet, um, the story is that the coin is found, and, and in that same way, see, all of us need to be recovered. I love this verse in the message paraphrase, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Are you tired, worn out? burned out on religion, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life, and I'll show you how to take a real rest. And, and so what is it that you need to recover in your life? What, what do you need to recover that's been lost? 
For some, you need to recover your strength. For, for some, you need to recover your confidence in, in, in who you are and your identity in Christ. For some, you need to recover your hope. You, you felt hopeless. For some, you need to recover your reputation. For some, you, you need to recover your innocence. Um, for some, you need to recover your relationship with God because somehow it's not what it should be or not what you would like it to be. And Jesus says, not only did I come to rescue you to make that right, I've come to recover you in every area of your life. And ultimately, third, so that we can be reconciled, reconciled, just like the father who ran after his son, after the son who had who had really insulted the father in ways that we can't even probably understand. And yet the father goes out to him and and loves on him, reconciles that relationship in the midst of his mess, this big bear hug. I hope you can see it. And I think there's people who who have, you know, gone their own way and they sort of think, you know, if I come back to God, he's going to scold me for what I've done and he's going to, you know, tell me everything I've done wrong. And, and what you need to know is this, that God is not mad at you. God is mad about you. That's the heart of Christmas. He's mad about you. He's crazy for you. He loves you. He'd do whatever it takes to reconcile you into life with Him. That's the story of Christmas. And, and then when we come and we give our lives to Christ, this amazing thing happens. We become new. It, it just takes care of everything. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation and all that that means. Now, let me tell you that the, the, the message of reconciliation, it's the good news. It's, it's hearing and responding to the good news. Remember the angels came and said, we got, we've got great news of, of great joy that's for all the people. It's this idea of, of being reconciled to God. And how do we do that? What we do is, we, if we've never done that, we, we come and we, we accept Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our lives. That's how we tap into what Jesus did for us. Remember when I said he's made it possible? The way that we get in on that is we ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our lives. It's, it's opening the gift of Christmas. And, and I, I think... One of the things that saddens me at this time of year is people will celebrate Christmas and never open the gift and never get at the heart of what it's really all about. They just move right through it. And I don't want that to happen to anyone. So I, I want to give an opportunity today to open that gift. And, and if you're here and, and any of those things that we've talked about apply to you, you know, you've wandered off or you've, you've been upset with God about something or you've gone your own way and are afraid to, to connect because of what he might do, you, you need to know that that he is mad about you. And that the way that we can be rescued and recovered and reconciled is to ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our life. It's a simple prayer that we pray. And I want to pray it with you in just a minute. And uh, I'll give you an opportunity when we pray to respond. When I do, I'll have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. And it'll just be between me and you. I'll have you slip your hand in the air. Not yet, but in a moment. But you'll see that. Listen for that in the prayer. There's many of you who need to respond to that today. So we're going to head into prayer now. So ministry team, on your head over the wall. People there here to pray for you, for everything that, that might be going on in your life. If you need prayer, they'll pray for you, and, and we'll take care of that. But let's pray as a group, and then we'll, uh, we'll dismiss here in a moment. Papa, thank you. 
for this amazing love that you have for us, that, you, that you've been searching for all of us. God, and you, that you've come when, you, when we turn, when we make that choice, you just come and you just grab us in that amazing bear hug of, and, and give us life and love forever, that you're, you're mad about us. And then I pray, God, that, that that would just settle on our hearts this Christmas and we would understand that deeper meaning of everything that's going on. You are such an awesome, awesome God, and we love you so much. And, and if you would, just for a moment, I, I want to give you the opportunity to open that gift. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? I know that's not real comfortable. I won't keep you there long, I promise. But with heads bowed and eyes closed, let me ask you this question. If you, if you would say, you know what, Steve... I want to open that gift today. I I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I want to pray with you. Would you just slip your hand in the air so I can see who you are? There you go. Hands going up all over. Let me see your hand. There you go. God bless you guys. All right, you can put your hands down. We're going to say a simple prayer together. I'd encourage everybody to pray this. Families pray things together. But uh, repeat after me the simple prayer. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord, be my Savior, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, I'm going to pray for you. You don't have to repeat after me. Papa, there were many, many hands that went up. And I pray right now that they would know the amazing love that you have for them now and that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit and that they would begin to experience life in an amazing new way as a brand new creation. And I pray for everyone here today, God, that that all of us would be refilled and renewed by your Holy Spirit today to really celebrate and enjoy Christmas and all that it means. And you're such an awesome, awesome God. You're incredible. Now, if you need prayer for anything else, the people over there will pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, you go and get prayer before you go. And if you, if you prayed that prayer, tell somebody. Share the good news. I, I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior today. If you need a little more prayer, they'll pray for you over there. But that's good news. Do you know, we talked about lost things being found and there was a party. The Bible says when one person comes and prays that prayer we just prayed, the angels celebrate. It kicks off a party in heaven. Lots of you guys. There's a huge party going on now and celebration of you. Something lost being found. And how amazing that is. And, and we're blessed to be a part of that with all of you today on Christmas. It's, it's the best Christmas thing going. So if you need prayer for anything, it's over there. If you're going to stay and have breakfast, Lord, thank you for the food you provided. Bless it, Lord, and, and everybody that makes it possible. Draw people into the 11 o'clock service today, Lord. Draw people back for Christmas Eve so we can celebrate you even more. And we are so grateful for who you are. You're such an awesome, awesome God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures, dear Him, all creatures, and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. 
and go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayer is there. Breakfast to be in the back. If you didn't get a coffee cup on the way in, get one on the way out. Be kind to one another out there in the parking lot. Have a great day. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye. Come back on Tuesday. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.